and welcome to Tell Me This. We're in season two, episode three. Ah, Brianna, I finally got it right. <laughs> I am your co-host, Carrie Borkowski, and with me is my new co-host, not so new anymore since we're on episode three, Dr. Brianne Ruse. I'm still going to keep calling you Dr. Brianne until you tell me not to. Is that okay? I, I think I've told you not to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe I'm just going to ignore you. I feel like you worked really, really hard for three plus years, so you, you need to own that Dr. Uh, title for a little while but so we are back with a season two as hopefully all of you know by now or are learning and we are talking to all sorts of educators leaders families and students about belonging building community and we're particularly interested this season in hearing from folks around the pandemic because we're still dealing with this terrible thing and hopefully it'll be gone soon. But in the meantime, we want to learn, lean in and learn and listen to what everybody's doing to manage it, to navigate. And really, we're talking about successes because I don't know about you, Brianne, but it's really easy to find negative things out there. And so we want to bring some positive into the world. What do you think? For sure. Absolutely. Great. So the theme of the podcast remains the same. It is still all about belonging building communities, listening, leaning into conversations to learn from and with each other. So you can imagine we are expanding our community to include those folks um, who we've had a chance to talk with this season. Um, we The format of the podcast will remain the same with a little bit of storytelling, a little bit of research and data um, with the twist of those interviews, hopefully all of it coming together in some coherent 45-minute podcast that you will enjoy, but you'll have to let us know if it's, if it's not working out. <laughs> <laughs> So on, um, on today's episode, I'm super excited. We, are, we spoke with uh, Dr. Katherine Atkinson. She is a middle school teacher in Southern California. When we spoke to her, gosh, I think it was Michigan, right? Wasn't it Michigan? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, sure. she was in beautiful Michigan. She and her husband have this amazing, I don't know if I want to call it a cab cabin, a second home, let's say that, just to be safe. I wasn't sure of it. But she had this like beautiful view behind her, if you remember, Brianne. Um, oh, yeah. So she was coming from us, coming to us from Michigan. Um, we had a great conversation. We learned a new term, which I loved. Um, you know, we talked about metadissonance a couple of episodes ago, and now we've got another one, control <laughs> enthusiast. Um, Brianne and I both being a little bit on the control dare I say, freak side, Brianne? Yeah, let's we, go with enthusiast. It yes, sounds great. <laughs> that's right. And we love that term, control enthusiast. So appropriately so, Catherine talked a lot about making connections, relationships, and creating spaces for her middle school students. And really, she talked a lot about um, bringing their stories and perspectives into the learning. She teaches history, so she's been able to leverage that. So today on the podcast, after our interview with Catherine, we will, we will also talk about an article I found by Hillard here, Donnellan and Henny. I think it's Henny or Haney. I'm not sure. It wasn't exactly on point. Of course, none of my articles ever are, I feel like, but I find little tidbits and they are about, this one is really interesting because it's about students in online classes doing collaborative projects and some of the anxiety and stress that they feel as a result of this. And it talks about ways to address, navigate, and mitigate that. So I think we'll be able to make some uh, connections. So, Brianne, I have to say that doing prep for this episode reminded me of how anxious I can get and helped me to notice what this nervousness can do in learning moments. Um, yeah. Honestly, sometimes it's, uh, dare I use the word, paralyzing or even a little spiraling. Um, mm -hmm. Does that 
Does that resonate for you at all? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I think both of those things are so true. And there's different triggers for that, that, you know, those nerves and that anxiety. And I just find that when it gets you, you're like, there's nothing you can do. And I can't do anything that's really hard in that moment. I just have to sort of step out and, as you would say, kind of reach for the low-hanging fruit and do things that are a little bit easier and then kind of ramp back up. Um, But yeah, it's certainly paralyzing. Yeah, I think Catherine's discussion um, and really some conversations we've had with a lot of of folks this, this season reminded me once again of that sort of that real, really strong connection between emotion and cognition. And I think sometimes we really underestimate that power. And I know from your own research with students around stress, that is that is definitely real for your students. Um, and so I think about that now in a pandemic, just how our students must feel. So we'll get into that a little bit more. And so as always, I, I like to bring some sort of story to the forefront in this podcast. And so of course, I'm always reminded of my grandmother. Um, she's never far from my my brain or my heart, I think. And as I said numerous times, she and my grandfather, honestly, when I have when I think about memories, they're really regular features or figures in my memories, whether it was a small sort of minutia little thing or, or a significant time. Um, I played a lot of sports, participated in a lot of presentations and performances, sometimes being dragged on stage. That's a story for another day. Um, and they were there for just about all of it. And I can remember confiding in my grandmother oftentimes how nervous I was for different events, golfing, gosh, golfing, standing up on that first tee in a tournament was like the most nerve wracking thing ever. Um, singing, playing field hockey, um, having to say a few words at a family celebration. And I must say that it was never really what she said, but how she said it. With so much presence, attention, connection, and just love, um, the care and concern she emoted with me in those moments made all the difference. Was I still nervous? Well, of course I was, but those moments with her somehow mitigated the anxiety. So I think this episode really gets at, you know, ways that we can help and really be with our students, our friends, our families, our colleagues, and whomever, people that you bump into at the grocery store um, during this pandemic. Um, Nothing about this is easy, and emotions will play a starring role. And honestly, as we said earlier, more than ever this fall as as we return to school and and try to, as as Brian said in an earlier episode, try to sort of retain a slice of normal. Um, And Catherine offered a a lot of good ideas from schedules, routines, to stickers, stories, and just staying connected with each other. So um, thanks to Dr. Atkinson for joining us, and I really hope you enjoy it. So next up is the great chat that Brianne, myself, and Catherine had. So enjoy. Hope you'll stick around. Hit record. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Tell Me This. We're so excited to have Catherine Atkinson on, kind of continuing our journey into opening up the airwaves to different educators' expertise. Catherine taught middle school world history for 25 years at a Title I school located in Southern California. She served in various leadership positions, including department chair and technology coordinator. And her passion for tech prompted her to pursue a doctorate to better understand how technology can be used to create authentic learning experiences for students, which is, of course, super relevant these days. (laughs) Catherine's research interests and publications focus on social-emotional learning, 
as well as ways to support meaningful learning with technology in K-12 and teacher education. So Catherine, thank you for joining us today. We're really looking forward to this conversation, especially with your expertise in tech. Um, and we wanted to start off as we have been with just asking how you are. So how are you and how are your family? How are you all holding up during this crazy time in the pandemic? First of all, thank you for having me. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to share my personal experience and hopefully other people will uh, see that they are not alone in uh, this whole thing that we're, we're all collectively going through. So um, as for how I'm holding up with the pandemic and, and my family, I'm, if you were to put people on a spectrum of conservative versus very open, um, I'm on the conservative end of the spectrum. I think it just sort of stems from the fact that I'm a little bit of a germaphobe in the first place. <laughs> and I also, um, my husband also has a compromised immune system. So mm -hmm. it's, it's very, I mean, it hits home for me to um, really be cautious about what I bring home. And so this pandemic has really taken me on a roller coaster of emotion. I, some days are great, um, other days are not great. And then sometimes I have like 25 different emotions in the same day. So it's, <laughs> it's really been, it's been exhausting since March 13th. And I think that date is going to live in infamy, infamy forever in my head because that's just when, things took an abrupt pivot and um, my world as I knew it really changed. Yeah. I, I appreciate the roller coaster metaphor, Catherine. I think all of us are on some sort of ride and it's not the ones that we typically, <laughs> you know, it's the up and down, the, the spinning us around and, and this notion of having so many different emotions at the same time, I think is key there. Cause I think Brienne and I have even had conversations where it's like, I'm feeling this and I'm feeling this and they don't make sense together, but that's what I'm feeling. So, so thank you for, for that honesty. Um, so what I wanted to sort of ask you about and get into is, and I know Catherine, you've been gracious enough to, to listen to some of the episodes in season one. And so, you know, that this, this uh, podcast was really founded on this exploration and, and I don't know, examination of belonging. Right. And so mm -hmm. what I'm really curious to, to sort of, to learn about you is when you think of that word belonging, like what does that mean for you and to you and sort of how do you, how do you view it? Well, to start off with, I'm an introvert and so I don't have a wide circle of friends. And so um, this idea of belonging, I sort of find people where there's some type of bond and they don't, and I don't have only introvert friends. I like my extrovert friends because they, they allow me to be the <laughs> introvert and the wallflower, which I totally appreciate. But um, I've always, I've always um, felt like I needed to be part of a, a group, um, whether you want to call it a, a tribe or family or squad or whatever, but I've, I've always gravitated towards a small group of, of people. And um, it's, I mean, it's come to the forefront more so in, in being, super instrumental in keeping my sanity because I have different groups for different needs. And so, you know, if I'm feeling a particularly emotional and I just can't keep my thoughts together, I have a couple of girlfriends where I'll just shoot a text off and they, and they, they feel the same and they you know, make me laugh. And then I have other people that um, will sort of like shake me out of my funk, you know, like you're not the only one. And so, you know, I, it's, it's like playing a sport, right? Everyone has their own role on the team, but you all need to come together. And I feel like that's what my various groups do for me. And I can't say I do the same for them. I, I hope I do, um, but I am so appreciative of all the people that have come in my life and that have um, helped me 
you know, really be where I am today, which is not necessarily a hot mess, although sometimes. <laughs> and I'm sure you, and I, and I know from my own experience that you definitely pay it forward to other people. So there's, no, there's no, there's no doubt there for sure. So <laughs> thanks Carrie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's so important that we're all a part of something these days as we are physically distanced or socially distanced or mm -hmm. however you want to you know, kind of phrase or I call it, we absolutely need that connection um, with one another for sure. And I agree that there are different people you go to for different things. If you're looking to vent, you're not going to call that friend who's like, it's not only you. <laughs> that may not be what you're looking for that day. So definitely, I think important to belong to different kind of groups. So thanks for that perspective. No one else has really shared that um, so far, I don't think. So that was a unique mm -mm. kind of spin on it. Catherine, uh, changing gears a little bit, although maybe not completely, Part of what we're talking about this season on this podcast is in addition to belonging, this idea of uh, an identity as both a teacher and a learner. And I'm curious, I mean, I know you went through the Hopkins program, so clearly that was a very intense period of learning, but even outside mm -hmm. of kind of formally being a student, how do you see those two identities maybe coexisting or not? Um, so kind of your perspectives on being both a teacher and a learner. Well, um, if, if money were not an object, I would be a full-time student. And, and so that's, I know, right, Carrie? I, mean, yes. I, wanted, I totally wanted my second doctorate, but my husband said no. Um, but um, but I, I love learning. I love reading. I love writing. I'm, I'm super inquisitive. And that's how I approach my class as well. So with my students, I encourage the questions. I make it known right off the bat that I'm not the expert in everything, um, that I do know some things, you know, because of my experience. But um, my kids are always teaching me things. And I absolutely love that. And, um, and I love the fact that uh, my kids, my, and by kids, I mean my middle schoolers, um, yeah. that they keep me humble because they will, they have no filter when they say stuff. So <laughs> when I, when I go to share something about what I learned, they're like, well, how do you know that? And so, you know, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a good give and take. And I appreciate that. And um, as a teacher, I want to be a role model. So I do share with my students that I love reading. I love writing. I love, you know, just challenging myself and, and, you know, getting out of that comfort zone. Cause it's easy as an introvert to stay within my bubble. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I know that in order to grow, I have to try new things. And so and it's been a lifelong process. I mean, I am, I am a control enthusiast. I have control <laughs> issues. Um, so, you know, pushing myself out. I mean, that actually became, that actually was because I belong to a group of people who have different experiences and they're like, you need to try this you know, and it took a lot of convincing on their parts. I'm like, I don't need to try this. I'm an adult, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But, um, but I'm thankful for them because I've learned new things and, um, you know, right. It's, it's bringing me back really to who I am today is because of other people. I have, I have to say, I'm going to try that new phrase on my spouse. I am a control enthusiast Enthusiast, because <laughs> I am right there with you, Catherine. So I definitely like that. I also, I have to say, I also like what you said about your middle schoolers that they don't usually settle for your response and they want to know how you know that. And I, I was think I was sharing with Brianne that my son who's eight, um, he's always questioning, right? Just like question mm -hmm. after question after question. And I think you're right. What it does is it really, it almost forces you or sort of to admit that, look, I don't, I don't know the answer. Maybe let's look it up together or let's figure it out together. So I, I very much appreciated that you uh, reminded us of that, of the, the wonderful curiosity of our young people. Right. So. Mm -hmm. 
The lack of filter makes us laugh. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I like how you talked about being an expert and that we're not being an expert necessarily. Um, however, you do have a lot of experiences that you're bringing. And I think that's such a key to good teaching and learning is first saying you don't have all the answers because no one does. So you're sort of opening that, that up um, kind of from a place of vulnerability. And then also saying, I, I do have a lot of experience though, and I'd like to share this with you. And you all have experiences that mm -hmm. I would like you to share with me. And so that kind of mutuality, um, so important. So thanks for bringing that up. You're welcome. Let's talk for a minute um, about your life pre-pandemic. So before March 13th, before Way that dark, dark day, <laughs> <laughs> will you share with us a little bit about what you were doing, your role, your context, kind of what your days were like before COVID took over? Oh my gosh. Well, I teach a semester world history course. And so the, the new semester had started. So we were about, I think, five weeks in. And so I was in the middle of getting kids into a routine, you know, knowing how to use the various technology tools that I think are engaging, because um, that's part of my dissertation is finding ways that, you know, technology can make learning meaningful for students. So I was like literally in the middle of teaching several different kinds of technology tools, as well as figuring out, well, how can I tweak these lessons? Because I always like to change things up a little bit. And, um, and then March 13th happened and and we got the note or we see the notice that the kids would not be returning after school was already out. And so I had I, I had no way to tell my students, you know, don't worry. Like that's that was my first thing was don't worry, we'll we'll be fine. And immediately, like over the weekend, as soon as as soon as the notices went out to the parents at about five, I think it was five p.m. I was receiving emails from students. What about our notebook? What about this? Weren't you in the middle of teaching us that? And so it was a constant, I mean, that was a, a you don't want to talk about a roller coaster of a weekend, you know, like, what am I going to do? What about my kids? You know, what about my husband? Like, you know, all these, all these things. And um, so, yeah, so before that, just the normal, you know, exciting, let's try something new. Let's create something great. Let's share it with the world. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to help my kids? Like that was my, my, first, my husband, I don't have kids. So I refer to my middle schools as kids and, um, and uh, they're very close to my heart. And so that was, it was hard. It was hard. I, I recorded a message right away to let mm -hmm. them know um, how I felt when they weren't going to be able to come back in person. And I was in tears when I was recording it and I was going to re-record and I thought, nope, they need to see the raw motion. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. So hopefully that helped them. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it was much appreciated. So, Absolutely. so, so building on that, Catherine, I, I'm particularly interested to hear your response, given the work that you've done in your dissertation and this expertise around technology, S something that we are trying to do in this podcast, this, this, um, this season is really share challenges, but also successes, right? Like how are we overcoming coming some of these challenges? Cause I, I really think, one, there's plenty of places that we can talk about the negative. There's just a lot going on that's not good, right? The other thing is we know that there are lots of educators in different little pockets of the country and the world that are doing awesome things, and we need to get that out, right, so that people aren't mm -hmm. spinning their wheels. And so the question we really wanted to ask you is, you know, you started to describe those challenges like in those first few days of the pandemic. Can you talk a little bit more about a particular challenge, I mean, maybe it was around technology or something related to that. And, and to me, more importantly, what did you do or what are you doing to sort of adapt and, and move through that successfully? Well, um, my, 
I, I've always incorporated SEL or social emotional learning into my lessons because I, as a history teacher, I'm always trying to get students to develop historical empathy and to not pass judgment on what people did in the past because the people in the past thought that they were doing the best that they could. So um, when March 13th happened and I was trying to get my act together, I was, uh, my first thought was, how do I, how do I um, support my students? And then also how to support my colleagues because my colleagues prior to you know, March 13th, looked to me as someone that could support them in technology. And so I had this two-pronged goal, right? How, how, how was I going to help my students and my colleagues navigate this? All of a sudden, now we have to all be on technology because they're looking to me for the answers. And even though I've taught online and I've, you know, gone to graduate school online um, and I do blended learning, it, this was different. This was not the norm. And so yeah. I did a lot of um, thinking about, well, where do I start? And it, for me, it was social emotional learning. How can yeah. I support my students? How can I let them know that things are going to be okay? How am I going to let them know that they, you know, can develop the skills to cope with it? And then also my colleagues, because they were all of a sudden, they just did not know what to do. I mean, a few of them were on the learning management system, but most of them were not. But I will say that the people who participated in my intervention, I received um, within the first few days, several text messages and emails thanking me for asking them if they Ugh. could be part of my study because they were like, now I get it. Now I understand why this is really important because it's no longer face-to-face. -face. Now they yep. have to really apply it. And it felt really validating, uh, you know, because I almost thought, oh my gosh, it worked. Like, you know, because you don't, you, you know, the, the distal <laughs> outcomes from your dissertation, you don't know, you know, when you're writing it up, if it worked or not. So um, we all banded together as a group and we grew a lot tighter. Um, the text messages were flying back just all day long about, well, what about this tool? What about that tool? You know, and, and talking about um, paring it down for everyone's sanity, mm -hmm. but then also sending out, you know, funny videos or memes or just to keep things light because everything just seems so heavy. And mm -hmm. so um, I, and that's where the sense of belonging came. I mean, not came, I already had it, but I mean, it was really strengthened through this mutual, for lack of a better word, fiasco that we were going <laughs> through. And so that bonded us even, even more because everyone was experiencing the exact same thing. There was no, you know, mine is worse than yours. It was yeah. mine is the exact same as yours. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's how, that's what we did. And thank God for technology. I mean, yeah. if we didn't have text messages. I mean, oh, gosh. Yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah. So I, I would, I was hoping maybe I, I love what you're saying, this sort of strengthening belonging, this mutual fiasco. That's so funny. Like, <laughs> um, I was wondering if you could, so you said, you know, you talked about paring down and sort of what technology could you, for people who maybe, I mean, for me too, like, you know, for who are used to using just like a particular tool or a particular app, can you give us an example of like maybe a tool that you used or you recommended to these teachers and sort of why you felt like it was successful in sort of reaching some of these goals you talked about? Well, um, there's two tools in particular that I found um, really easy to use because like I said, I was in the middle of trying to teach the kids how yeah. to use these tools. And so all of a sudden they knew the name, but they didn't know what it looked like. And I sure. thought, you know what, I'm going to go for it. Cause why not? I mean, I have so many other challenges. Why not just add one more to the, yeah. to the mix? So um, the two tools were Flipgrid and okay. Padlet. 
Mm. And so Flipgrid is a video recording tool and it's free and they're, it's an amazing company. Um, they're very responsive to teacher suggestions. And I thought I could use Flipgrid as a way for kids to get used to being on camera. Um, but then mm. they could also privately share with me their thoughts and they didn't have, I mean, cause Flipgrid, you can share it with the whole class mm -hmm. or the world. But I thought, you know, I think the kids probably just need someone to talk to because I'm sure mom and dad didn't have any answers either. So I used that as a way for them to check in with me. And I had several assignments, like six word memoir, you know, on, on your week. So they only had six words to tell me what their week was like. Um, and it was, you know, it was nice to see some of them didn't show their faces, which is totally fine. And then others, you know, I was, it was so good to see their faces. So it's mutually beneficial for me to have them on Flipgrid. Uh, Padlet is an online bulletin board and it's real easy to use as well. And I use that as a way to have all of my students, I had all six periods on the Padlet wall and I made shelves. So period one, period two, period three, and so forth. Wow. And so they would post sketch notes or whatever. So they got to see everyone's work. And that was my one way of sort of trying to get kids to, to see they're not alone, right? They're, they're doing their stuff. And then I, and then I incorporated some fun stuff. Like we totally stole this from, um, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm blanking our name, Tom Hanks' wife, Rita Wilson. Oh. So when they were in Australia and they tested positive, she sent out this like mayday, like, hey, I want to make a quarantines playlist. So I totally stole that word quarantines. And we made a quarantines playlist before spring break um, about what song keeps you, you know, what song's going to keep you motivated. And I got some of my colleagues to post their songs and they, the kids had, and we had to say why. So the, the, it was a range. I had songs oh. from like the fifties. I'm like, what, you know? And then I had some, you know, songs from today. And then I had some rap songs and I yeah. had some, um, show tunes and I thought, what a great, yes. and you can just click through them and you're just smiling, you know? Yep. And, uh, we did that at the end of the year too, for summer, like, you know, uh, bye bye school, hello yep. summer with an upbeat one. And so that was our last like group kind of thing. So, awesome. and because it's free and they can access it without logging in, they always have access to all the music that their peers listen to. That's a, what a great idea. I have to tell you, I am, I'm going to say it on the air. I'm going to steal that idea. Cause I love that idea. Of course. I, Brianne knows I'm a big like, playlist person. Anyway, I always joke about <laughs> Catherine. I always joke about mixtapes. I'm showing my age. Cause that's what I used oh, to do is make yeah. mixtape stuff. <laughs> I also yeah. loved hearing about how you use Flipgrid. Cause I hadn't, I'm familiar with Padlet and I agree. I love it. It's a great, it's a great way for people just to see what other folks are talking about and, and, and asking questions about. But the idea of Flipgrid, like it, it can, you're right. It can be like a more intimate conversation, mm -hmm. like a quick conversation with a student. So I really thank you for that. Cause I, I I'm going to think about how I could incorporate it. Cause I hadn't quite figured that one out. So yeah. So see, these are, mm -hmm. these are awesome tips that <laughs> you're sharing. So um, yeah. And I've kind of <laughs> lost my place here. So I think, Sorry. yeah, go ahead, Brian. Sorry. Um, well, no, I was going to say I second the Padlet notion. I think it's yeah. awesome. I mean, uh, Padlet and Flipgrid. I've used Flipgrid in a couple of different ways um, for introductions and then kind of class discussions. And I think it works um, well. I don't know. It's like it's easy and super accessible. Students seem to really like it. So I think it's a great tool. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask a little bit more specifically how you feel, Catherine, that you tapped into that kind of teacher learner identity during the pivot so during COVID, i mean i'm hearing things like mutual learning and you know you're, you're taking things from various people so that suggests that you don't have all the answers right and that you're willing to mm -hmm. and, and depending on others to help you to continue to learn also that you were 
maybe you wouldn't use this word, but maybe your colleagues were considering you a bit of an expert at this, right? Because you've had so much experience with the online world. So you had, it seems like you had to balance those two things. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on kind of how those identities manifested as you've navigated these past few months. Well, um, as a control enthusiast, it's really hard to be, to be flexible. <laughs> but as a teacher, I have to be completely flexible because mm. we have fire drills, we have assemblies that were, you know, we were given less than 24 hours notice. So um, to me, flexibility has been key in everything that, uh, I mean, even more so as a, you know, as a learner and a teacher and just a human being trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to do? And so, um, and I've also, and, and, and by flexibility, I also mean um, as a mindset you know, not just focusing only on one thing, but being really flexible, um, you know, into, you know, what does this mean in the larger sense? Mm. You know, what is, what is this, how is this going to impact um, human relationships? You know, I, I haven't seen any of my friends since March. Mm. I, you know, maybe on a Zoom, but I haven't seen, I've only seen my in-laws and my mom and my brother, that's it. And so, um, you know, how, you know, I, it's just trying to under, and learning to be more empathetic myself, like, cause I'm, I'm not the only one I'm sure that has not seen family members or, or friends. And so I think it's going to help me hopefully be more empathetic when this whole fiasco is over. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, it, and it's really been pulling in everything that I've been learning as a person and as a teacher and trying to figure out how to overcome this from, um, what's the word? It's not, not, well, I guess maybe like outside of the box, like just thinking mm -hmm. of trying to think of new ways to get through this instead of just my old tried and true, you know, I'll just think it out, you know, that doesn't really work. You know, yeah. I, I need to rely on other people and get some ideas and, and things like that. So, but flexibility is, I think is, is key. And as I was telling my students in one of the classes I'm teaching, um, the word pivot yeah is is has been thrown around and so yes. there's a great clip from from the show friends that i had posted um for my <laughs> for my students in rempd about pivot because i said i said i think that's the buzzword for 2020. <laughs> i think i think you're I think right you're right i think you're definitely right so i also i'm i'm still thinking about this sort of putting putting control and flexibility up there right that feels like that feels like a dichotomy that should be sort of interrogated a little bit more, right? Because often I hate to say it, but I, I'll only speak for myself to to be safe on the safe side. But I think part of my teacher identity, there is a part of that that's a little controlling, right? Like classroom management, having your lesson ready, have your quizzes ready. Like you have a schedule for the class, you have agendas, um, and yet you're right, Catherine. We've had to pivot um and <laughs> mm -hmm. adapt and be flexible and as you said Catherine also also really reinvent and create new things and so mm -hmm. I hadn't quite articulated that control piece and I'm still stuck on control enthusiasts I just love that term <laughs> um but I I very much think that like your ability to take on that learner identity can sort of help you relax that controlling piece that we feel um so that was that was that was very smart of you to say that. So thanks for sharing that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're Dr. Adkinson. See that? Oh so. my gosh. <laughs> I, I, got here, I got here because uh, because of my village. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, me. Well, that's, uh, I think we would all say that, honestly, for sure. Yeah. So, so I think we're, um, we just have a few questions left, right, Brianne? I think we wanted to 
uh, ask maybe, um, you shared so many great tips with us today and, and just insights as we just were talking about. And we were wondering, and we're trying to sort of collect these across the interviews, is there one or two takeaways from, as you continue to move through this pandemic that you just, you know, would love to share with the audience and, you know, that they think you think they should know? Well, I think, I think one of the big takeaways that, um, that uh, I'm from, from a fiasco um, is, is really intentionally integrating SEL into what I do with my students. Mm -hmm. I had my students keep a living history journal. So I have journals for 13 weeks of their lives mm -hmm. during the, the, the spring. And um, my point when my students were like, why, why do we have to write? I said, because this moment's going to be in your history books or your children's history books. I said, and, and you're going to be the primary source. I said, so I want you to have a record wow. of what it was like. And so just reading their journal entries and their ups and downs, and some of it was really, really hard to read. And um, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to get that insight if, if we didn't have this fiasco, right? Because they yeah. wouldn't have been writing every week about, well, you know, what's going on at home. <laughs> but I realized that I need to be more intentional in integrating SEL into what I do with my students. So even though we're starting remote, in a couple weeks. Um, I'm already thinking of ways that I can make sure that I am checking in with the kids and really seeing how they are, but also also with my friends, because it's easy to assume that as an adult, they have their stuff together, especially people that seem to be control enthusiasts like me, and they put on a really good facade, like everything is fine when it's really not fine. And I think sending out the text or calling, you know, having just that, and yes. not on video, but just calling, you know, like how we used to do it, you know, and having that conversation, I think yeah. is really really important the, the so. old fat the old-fashioned phone call right now nowadays right so, yeah, yeah right right but uh. the other thing I think is really important and I think this is what came away with a lot of the discussions in our bridge group is this um, finding a work-life balance because mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's become just blurred right because before March 13th I could leave my stuff at school come home and just know that I am I was done for the day because I already finished grading you know my weekends were my own all of a sudden they weren't they were not my own. I couldn't, I, I had a real difficult time turning off my phone because my kids were emailing me and yeah. they, and I figured they need me. They don't, they didn't have me during the day. And so my goal this year is to establish a firm work-life balance. Like I'm going <laughs> to work during this time. I'm going to take this time off and spend it, you know, with my husband and, you know, family, if I get a chance to see them, but I'm also going to push that with my students because I mm. feel like they also did not see the end of the school day like they perceived everything as homework and they don't like homework and I kept saying it's not homework it's schoolwork and and they're like but we're doing it at home aren't we I'm like okay all right sure like yeah. that's exactly what a middle schooler would say well technically yeah. we're doing it at home so it's homework I'm like <laughs> right you know <laughs> Well, well, that you just uh, you just teed up why we'll have to, an excuse for us to bring you back on the podcast because I want to hear how that structured work life balance worked out for you because I I think that is you make such an important point and a compelling case for why that should be a thing, and I think it's really hard, right? Especially I, I just think it's hard for everybody, not especially anybody. So so we may have to have you back, Catherine, to follow up on that structured uh, work life balance and see how it goes. <laughs> Happy, happy to share my successes and my um, not successes. There you go. <laughs> I love, one of the things I love that you just said was how you told the students that they will be the primary source in history. Uh, and yeah. I think, you know, we talk so much about that with our students 
I guess, you know, across the lifespan, right? Like starting maybe in middle school and certainly through doctoral studies is the value of the mm -hmm. source. Um, so that's really cool. And then levity. You also brought in this idea yes. of levity and kind of laughing at what's going on. And mm -hmm. it's so heavy. And as we've talked about in other episodes, we are not laughing at the pandemic, of course, no. but um, there are moments that are amusing and funny. And I think when we can find the levity in this, it just, it helps to create that sense of, like you said, we're not in this together. So some connectedness and in a time that feels pretty isolating and you are really, I mean, you've done a great job quarantining. It sounds like you're, you're pretty isolated. So yeah. you understand that really, really well. Yeah. And I love that you're sharing that with your students. And I think the rawness of your initial recording, I, I just, I, I almost hope that the students can always have that. I mean, what a memory of, of when this started and on March 13th, none of us had any way of knowing that we'd still be dealing with this right now. And that, that's like what a, what a cool historical, you know, kind of segment, audio segment there. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Really. Thank neat. you for saying that. Yeah. yeah. Finding, I'm just thinking finding levity in the fiasco as Catherine. That's going to be the quote, <laughs> quote of the day, I think, uh, for sure. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, so well, the, one, the, I was going to say, because one of the coping methods, because my background's also in psych, so one of the coping methods when you're really stressed is, you know, this awkward laughter. And so I think that's kind of where it comes from because you don't know what to do and you can't punch people because that's not nice. And so, you know, when you have all this pent up emotion, because I, I do, I laugh or I'll smile. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, people are going to think I'm so either crazy or just hard, you like a hard hearted person, yeah. but I'm really not. But, you know, so that's why when, when you can find the, mm. the lightness or the levity, I'm just like, Oh, thank you. You know, yeah. just like, it's like a release. So it is Absolutely. a release. That's exactly the right it word. Is. It feels so much better. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. So not, not to anybody's surprise, I hope by now, um, we'd like to conclude this interview with, with a final thought on belonging and get your thought, Catherine. And that is, as you started to talk about moving through the pandemic and the challenges and overcoming those, you said um, that this sort of feeling of mutual fiasco, and you did say that because I wrote it down, um, you said <laughs> that even though you already had a sense of belonging, that it, it almost strengthened that belonging. And so I'm wondering, um, you know, has your concept of belonging, this idea of being in different groups, as you said earlier, have you noticed a shift in your definition of belonging or how you would think about belonging as you continue to move through the pandemic? Um, well, I think if anything, it's really validated the idea that we, we do need to stay connected to each other. I mean, that's how humanity, I mean, that's how you are humans. I mean, humans are not meant to be completely by themselves. And so, um, even though we are as, as Brianne mentioned, we're, we're physically distanced, right? I think when people say socially distanced, I think that was, you know, because Carrie, you were talking always about operationalizing. I mean, I, I, they were throwing all that into social distancing when it's really physical distancing. Um, but being able to connect with people and knowing that that you you almost had to because you we were isolated physically, so you needed that human talk, like you needed to have that that conversation, and so. Um, that's actually made it more real for me. Like I really need to reach out more to my friends and be more intentional in our conversations. And, and, it, and it shouldn't be just around work and it shouldn't be just around the fiasco. It needs to be around <laughs> other things because life is short and, and I've always known that, um, you know, but, but just now, like I'm really realizing and we're really lucky to live in the United States and have what we have because there are people in other countries where, um, this, this COVID thing has, has 
just been devastating for for them and um so yeah just being grateful to have a group of people who love me and who keep me grounded and who validate my thoughts irrational or not i mean that's yeah i totally need that i'm so thankful for for everyone that 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 does that for me yeah well said I don't, I don't know that there's anything I, I can add to that. That was a really nice way to end the interview. And I, I just want to say um, thank you again for coming on. Um, we know that everybody is busy speaking of work-life balance, and I'm just really grateful that you took the time out of your schedule to talk with us. And I know your tips on Flipgrid and Padlet and just talking about this notion of documenting this moment. I love that with the students. I think that is such a wonderful takeaway and I, and this idea of all of us being more intentional about making those connections and cultivating that belonging, you know, in our groups and, and beyond is, is really powerful. So thank you, Catherine, so much uh, for joining us today. And Brianne, it was great to chat with you as well. Any last thoughts, Brianne, before we conclude? No, I mean, I just, I always appreciated Catherine as, I guess, a control enthusiast. I wouldn't have used those words, but I had her as a TA in the, in the Hopkins program, and she was always right on, on the ball and on her game, but I didn't know sort of this piece. I didn't know about the social emotional learning, kind of how she approaches her work and her students. So I really enjoyed hearing about that and, and talking with you. So thanks yeah. so much. Yeah, and we will definitely yeah. be reaching out. We will definitely be reaching out, Catherine. We want to hear a follow-up <laughs> on this, how this structure of the workday actually ending even during a pandemic, how that really works out for you. So uh, so thank yeah. you very much. Well, thank you, Carrie and Brianne, for, for having me on this podcast. It's always great to talk to friendly faces and, <laughs> and fellow alumni. And, and here's part, you're part of my group. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> All right, thanks, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.